Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. All right. You guys can have a seat for a second. We'll get in a uh, little discussion groups in one moment. Where do you want? We didn't do any kind of right here. All right. I'm going to move this. Do a little production meeting right now. All right. Hey. Um, oh, thank you. I got my own. Awesome. Thanks. Um, the worship, just so you know, is on our church app, Access Church. There's a few Access Churches. Ours is the green and black icon. Uh, but if you need for worship especially, uh, we do have it printed out. So if you need that, it's just right up here by Andrew. So we have, uh, for our second set of worship, if you want to have those, those words there. All right. Uh, before we d- jump into discussion, we've got a ton actually going on this summer. I want to give you a heads up because it is going to get hot. And so it's like, what are we doing? What's going on? Now, obviously, we have to comply with school regulations, and they're trying to figure out the state, and uh, the state um, is moving things around quite a bit. So it's usually going to be a last-minute thing, um, but we're looking at around the 20th, where uh, from the state's point of view, we possibly can go in um, and uh, without masks and things like that. So, But we, we need the school to okay it. So just so you know, for summer, they are redoing the floor. So we're going to be outside uh, for the summer. I know it's the worst time, but um, we really don't have any other option. What we're working on is next week, we have Justin and Ephraim are working on putting sails between those two buildings and thicker sails than what we have here. And so we'll have sails over that. That'll be kind of just, um, we'll, we'll tie down uh, a top and uh, give some shade for us. We also have the water bottles. We're hoping if we get a little bit of wind, like we're getting a little bit of breeze right now, that'll help. So we might be moving everything over there. Uh, and I know it kind of takes a little bit away from our table groups, but we might just do something where we circle up the chairs. You can feel free to bring your own chair if it's more comfortable. Otherwise, we'll use the padded chairs from the school. So just a heads up, if you don't like those kind of padded chairs, bring your own and you're good to go. Uh, and then we did get okay from the school for the kids to use one classroom. So that was a huge answer to prayer. Cause they, yeah, they're like, no, no, no. And so, um, so that's nice. So the children's ministry is slowly kind of expanding there. So that's kind of what's going on here on the, the campus, just so you have a heads up. As far as what's happening, as far as just opportunities for you guys, um, as far as just uh, getting together and kind of the season that we're in right now, connection groups, we've had a phenomenal year with connection groups. Some of the best sharing group time. We've been around a fire pit the whole time, which there's something special about that because our best sharing has been outside around a campfire. We might keep that no matter what. Uh, depending on the weather, but um, uh, we're going to mix things up for summer. So we're going to do a, a, a little short five-week stint where you got two options. One is a, uh, a Wednesday night healthy families group where it's something that I've done at previous churches, and it's actually very interactive, discussion-based as far as being purposeful and intentional with building healthy marriages and raising healthy kids. And so uh, it's about five weeks, and so uh, that's an option. And then also on Thursday nights, we're going to do something different where we watch The Chosen and we just have discussion groups. And that's actually family friendly as far as you can bring your kids. You don't have to get a babysitter and bring them in on a discussion where they get to watch something and discuss it. Those are your two options. It's really important you sign up because we have to figure out the venues of where we, where we hold these. If we have seven people versus 20, then we have to figure that out logistically. So now's the time to sign up. Uh, and once we pick that venue, we're not going to be able to add a lot last minute because we might have a particular home that we're in. So if that's something that interests you, please sign up ASAP. Those start in July. We'd appreciate that. 
And so that's kind of the options this summer. We also have other things as far as we have a men's breakfast next Saturday uh, at the Coven's house in Temecula. So guys, you can sign up for that. Ladies, um, I think we have something. Laura Lee, what is it? Learn how to paint. I know it sounds like, ugh, maybe if you're not artistic, you're like, what? Two things. One is they teach you, and it's pretty cool. You're be you'll be better than you think you are. But secondly, it's not about painting. It's about just getting together, talking, laughing. If you stink, great. We can mock you. It's all good for your spiritual development, all right? So, but the main thing is getting together. So uh, that's all on our website. Please sign up. Um, and then also, in a few weeks, we're heading down to Mexico. Our first uh, trip down there in a long time, um, working with an orphanage. And uh, super excited about that. And so uh, next Monday is the due date for that. And so you need to have a passport, so make sure you have that. Uh, and so we're heading down. Uh, again, all the information is on the website. We're really looking forward to that. It's going to be an all-day thing on Saturday. That is family-friendly. Uh, also, uh, for uh, middle school and up. Kids younger than middle school, not yet. Middle school and up, they feel free to go, too, if you want to bring your family apart. So a ton going on. Also, 4th of July, we won't be here. 4th of July, it's on our website. Uh, everything's on our app, too, as far as the information. We're heading to uh, the Flores house. And they're up north a little bit, but they got a pool. They got some acreage. They got animals. They're super fun. Your kids will enjoy. We're going to do like a little mini service and then barbecue. And so there's information because you guys are bringing the sides. We're bringing the meat. You bring the sides. We bring the meat. And so sign up online for that. You can't just sh you can just show up, but we're asking people to bring stuff. So, um, again, a lot of things to sign up for. So if you get bored during the, the service, you might find time to do that and just go on the app. Use your time. And then you can re-engage back in. So, uh check out all of that man i think that's it i thought summer we we're gonna kind of mellow out but we just we got crazy so we got a lot of, a lot of cool things going on uh we're gonna be in first samuel 25 and second samuel 16 first samuel 25 second samuel 16 jesus thank you so much for today and god i pray that um this is something that's so important to you that we are people that are gracious especially in our times and our culture today we're being uh, combative, being fired up over things um, can kind of suck us into this river um, that's uh, not very healthy, Lord. And you provide a different path. And being gracious is something that you are to us, God, and you desire for us to be to others, to reveal yourself to them. And so I pray we'd be a gracious church and that we'd learn today from you, God, and from David and how to do that. Place in your name, Jesus. Amen. Um, so a couple statements today as we start off just to kind of um, set the tone of where we're going. Uh, being gracious is, is so important because it's really a key indicator of mature love. And I'm using that together because you got to have immature love where I would say you're, you're loving but maybe not super responsibly. I don't know if you've ever seen people like that. They're so loving that they may be a little irresponsible to love. Um, a mature love, one that, that, that loves well in a healthy way um, that a key indicator of that is that there's, they're gracious in their behaviors and in their speech uh, in life. That, that's a key ingredient. If you're making a meal, that would be a key ingredient you want to have. Uh, so I think this is something important for us today um, as a church that can really stand out in a culture that I don't think is very gracious at all. This is our time to shine as a church. 
You know, people are like, oh, the times, look at what my kids have to grow up in. And this, and of course, every generation, it's worse than when I grew up. And, you know, you know, we, we forget those that grew up in the 80s, like, ah, oh, sexuality. It's like, uh, we had a dude called Boy George. Yeah, we know what cross-dressing is like. I mean, it's one of those like, yeah, every culture, every, but what happens when we get this sucked into this, like, oh, and just this defeatist attitude. It's like, wait, we're called to be light. So when it's dark, as a church, we should be stoked. Like, we get to be light show contrast and draw people to Jesus. And, and being gracious is a key aspect of that. I would define being gracious, and it's one of those things that's a little bit ambiguous, but being gracious in this context today is, is kindness in act or words that is not deserved or given beyond expectation. Kindness in act or words. Here's a key, that is not deserved. Some of us are very gracious to people that are nice to us. <laughs> the Bible would say, Everybody does that. Sometimes the worldly context of that is called kissing butt, right? It's one of those things of like, yeah, you're nice to me. I'm nice to you. The world does that really well. Some of us work in environments like that. Christianity stands out when you don't deserve it, and I'm still going to show or speak with kindness. And kindness doesn't mean that I lack truth. That's called lying. So it's not just what I say, but it's how I say even the truth but I can think through, can I be gracious with truth? So it's not lying. Kindness isn't saying something and you don't mean it or it's not true. That's called lying. We don't do that. That's, that's not very gracious. But it's kindness in actor words that is not deserved or it's beyond expectation. How many of us, someone's been gracious to us, maybe the way they paid us or, or they're gracious as far as how much they served, they came and did something for us and they went beyond expectation. The setting today, and what I want to encourage us with is this, is grace is not natural for us, it's learned. It's a learned skill. And that's my goal today, is that we learn and practice this week being gracious people. Just so you know, it's tough. Now, some of us have personalities, maybe it's a little bit easier, but it's still, when push comes to sub, there is no personality that when someone doesn't deserve it, that is naturally going to do it. That's actually a skill, and it's a skill that God teaches and so, yes, it's not easy, um, but it's something that's necessary. Today, we're going to be looking at a man. Um, it's an interesting story. We're going to be in 1 Samuel 25, 2 Samuel 16. These are about 40 years apart, just so you know, um, in his life. And we're going to see how that's important as far as his development as a skill of, of being gracious and how David learned. All right, in 1 Samuel 25, um, David is young. Um, he's popular. Uh, because he's a warrior, but he's on the run from Saul. Saul doesn't like him. Uh, just so you know, back then, if you wonder why there's so many problems in families, like you read the Old Testament and, and everybody, and the king's paranoid. All these kings are paranoid and they're doing mean things. Well, deservedly so, because back then they didn't have elections where, okay, you serve four years, you're out. You know how you got rid of a king back then? Yeah, you killed him. <laughs> and you know who killed kings the most? Their own family. So yeah, you're a nervous wreck. They're popping pills. They're drinking a lot. They're, they're skeptical. They're just like, ah. And so what they do is I'm going to kill you before you kill me. That was politics. So anytime you get frustrated with American politics, so far, we're getting close. But so far, I don't think that's happening yet, all right, to that level. So this is the mindset. David's popular. He's a warrior. Saul's not, and he's scared, and he's chasing after uh, David. In the midst of this, David's on the run. And back then, they didn't have 7-Eleven. I don't know if you knew this, but in Old Testament times, they didn't, you got hungry and just go to 7-Eleven, right? You relied on 
finding people that were for you and that would feed you, families, farms. You would go there and say, hey, we're part of a cause. Can you feed us? Can you give us something to drink? And normally they would say yes. So hospitality was a part of that, right? Being gracious was expected because it was for survival. So it wasn't like an optional thing. Like, well, if they say no, we can go to 7-Eleven and eat. Can't do that. Now we pick up. Look at young David. This is young David. We're going to look at old David. 1 Samuel 25. We're going to start in verse 10 through 13. David sends servants to this man because he needs some food and water, and the man's name is Nabal. Nabal answered David's servants because they said, hey, this is the situation. This is what we need. Look what he says. Who is this David? Come on, dude. Don't act like you don't know who he is. So just so you know, he knows who David is. He's acting like he's a big, like, who, who is this David that I should, you know, use my own resources? He's acting bigger than he really is. So he's given attitude. So he says, well, who is this David? Everybody knows who David is. Who is this son of Jesse? You know, many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Now he's ripping on them. You know, he's starting a rebellion. Just leave Saul as king. He's this little rebel kid, you know. So he killed Goliath, big deal. So he's mocking him. So he says, why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my own cheers and give it to men coming from who knows where? Now, this is not good for him because David's not in a good mood. I don't know if you, when you're hungry, if you're in a worse mood, you know, maybe you get a little sharp with your tongue. Well, when you're a warrior and you're hungry, you're not just sharp with your tongue, you're sharp with your sword. You're a little cranky, right? So um, it says that in verse 12, David's men turned around and went back. And when they arrived, they reported every word. David said to his men, look at this. Strap on your sword, boys. So they did. And David strapped his on as well. About 400 men went up with David, while 200 stayed um, with the supplies. He's ready for war. He's ready to fight. You're not helping me out. You're going to get what you deserve. Now, Nabal is married to this woman called Abigail. Thank God. Because she appeases everything. She's like, what are you doing, dude? You knucklehead. I don't care about those guys. I'll beat them. up." So he goes back to work, and she's like putting cakes together, putting water together. She's like, we're going to get slaughtered. They're going to take everybody out. So she goes, intercedes, shows some kindness, was gracious, and David kind of comes back down and doesn't do anything. And look what happens later on in verse 39. So David doesn't do anything, and uh, Nabal dies. God takes care of it for him. And we don't get much about why, but whether it's natural causes, supernatural causes, God takes care of it, he dies. And look, at it says, when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, <laughs> praise be to the Lord, who has upheld my cause against Nabal for treating me with contempt. He kept his servant from doing what? What does your Bible say? Wrong. David recognized that he would have actually done wrong by getting revenge or by, you poke my eye, I poke yours. You post that on Facebook, I'll post this. You say that about me to someone at work, I'll do, I'll do this. Which is, can be our mindset, right? And we justify it even as Christians. 
Now that was in hindsight because he was ready to go like we all are in the heat of the moment. But he kept his servant from doing wrong and brought Nabal wrongdoing down on his own head. Would you consider when David wanted to fight, would you consider that being a gracious person? Going and killing someone because they didn't give you bread and water. Yeah, in general. I don't know. Some of you are like, maybe. Yeah, that would be gracious for all of us, you know. But in general, that's not gracious person that's looking to kill people for no bread and water. But that's early in David's life. I think David needed to learn some things, and this is important for all of us. It's a skill that we need to learn, especially when we're younger and maybe we think we don't recognize our own sin. We don't recognize our own foolishness. We look at other people that have, you know, maybe failed things in their life and we haven't been there yet. We haven't experienced the failure. So we think, well, I'll never fail like that. I would never speak like that. I'll never do that. Well, you just haven't had the opportunity. Let's get you some years on earth and God will provide you plenty of opportunity to be an idiot, right? That's what he does. So some of this is, it's a, it's a skill that's learned and recognizing that we're really all in the same boat. Because when I'm that gracious, I think I'm in a different boat than you. And my boat is better and um, you're going to pay for the way you're treating me, right? That's young David. Now check this out. In um, 20 years later, in, um, we're going to see that in 2 Samuel 11, we're not going to read it, but that's where he has the affair um, with David and Bathsheba. Very popular, right? And, and some of us might not know, he didn't just have an affair. He murdered her husband so that he could have her. I mean, that's a low point. I don't know if you've ever had a low point in life, but I'm assuming most of us have not murdered someone in order to then have an affair with that person. Like, that's not a normal thing, right? It's a pretty low. If that person came to church and shared a testimony, we'd be like, whoa, what kind of church am I at, Right? I got testimony, so last week I got, you know, that'd be, that's heavy. And can I remind you that he said, a man after God's own heart. I think that took time to develop a man after God's own heart. He had to go through some brokenness. So 20, so no gracious, want to kill Nabal, right? Well, now experienced his own falling, right? His own sin, lost a son over it. I mean, a lot of consequences there. That can kind of break you in life. Now, 20 years after his affair and murder, so now we're talking 40 years later, let's look at older David. We're going to look at 2 Samuel 16. Check this out. 2 Samuel 16. We're going to start from verse 5 and go to 14. Just so you know, at this point, he's still on the run. I know when we read the Bible, it's like, man, did David, was he on the run a lot? Unfortunately, he was. This time he's on the run because his own, <laughs> it wasn't another king trying to kill him, it was his own son. His family had broken apart, part of the consequences of sin, broken families, and now his, fan, his son's rebellious and wants to kill him as sons do when they want to be king. That's what's going on here. So he's on the run again. It says, as King David approached Bahurim, a man from the same clan as Saul's family came out there. Uh, he had uh, killed Saul. Uh, so, um, so this guy was a little bit bitter. His name, um, was Shemai son of Gera and he cursed as he came out. He pelted David and all the king's officials with stones. This guy is pretty angry. He's also pretty bold. Though all the troops and the special guard were on David's right and left. As he cursed, Shemai said, get out, get out, you murder, you scoundrel. 
The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed. Oh, he's coming down on them, right? All the blood you shed in the household of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has given the kingdom to the hands of your son Absalom. So he's saying, I ho- he's pretty much saying, I hope your son kills you. You have come to ruin because you are a murderer. Then, verse 9, Abishai, son of Zerah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and cut off his head. Notice how casual that is. But you don't curse the king like that. In fact, you don't even approach the king. If you were to approach the king without being asked, you could be killed. That would be a normal thing. To curse him and throw stones? That wouldn't be thought about. It's like, just go, idiot, right? And so he's like, would you like me to do that? Look at what David said. This is older David. This is broken David. This is David realizes, you know what? We all fall short of the glory of God. What does this have to do with you? First of all, he says, what does that have to do with you? He's, he's not throwing stones at you. When we lack graciousness in our life, not only do we sometimes die on too many hills in our own life, we love to do battles in other people's lives. We love to almost seek out battles. You want me to go do that? You want me to go talk about them? You want me to go fix that? whether it's our kids' lives. And we justify, I'm a a parent. Yeah, but you're a Christian. What are you modeling there? Or whether it's in our own families. What? My sister said, what? I'm going to talk to the uncle about that. And then we, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is that your battle there? Or friends or at work? And so he looks at him. He says, "Um, what does this have to do with you, you sons of Zerah? If he's cursing because the Lord said to him, curse David, who can ask, why do you do this? What if God's using someone that I don't like to humble me? Well, Brian, God would never do that. Then you have not read the Bible. God uses people to annoy us all the time, (laughs) to train us, to sharpen us. And why? Because sometimes we don't listen to people that are actually for us in life, so he'll use someone against us. So being careful about coming down on someone that maybe God is calling them to do something, to agitate something so that God can have us wrestle with something. We tend to think anyone that's against us and that God is against them. Maybe. And, and, and again, he says, he says um, uh, if he is cursing because if, I don't know, but what about some humility? What about some being gracious as far as maybe God's using him? David then said to Abishai and all his officials, My son, my own flesh and blood is trying to kill me. How much more than this Benjamite? Leave him alone. Let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore me to this covenant blessing instead of this curse today. Verse 13. So David and his men continued along the road while while Shammai was uh, going along the hillside opposite him cursing. So he just walked with them and he was cursing and throwing stones, which had to be awkward because they weren't saying and doing anything. The king and all the people arrived at their destination exhausted, and there he refreshed himself. Two different responses, right? Young David hadn't blown it yet, really hadn't messed up, been slaying Goliath, you know, kind of just like, yeah, he's the man, feeling good about himself. So when it comes across someone that crosses him, maybe lacking a little grace in his life, maybe hasn't experienced the depth of how much God has been gracious with him. 
And so when we're arrogant or we're prideful at any level, what does God do? He's like, I got to discipline you. Not because I hate you, because I love you. Because pride will kill you or kill the people around you. And God wanted him to be a good king. And so he allowed him to follow his heart and then in sin to be broken. Right? And then from there, as he wrestled with that, his own brokenness, I'm not this eye-cockered Goliath. It was, it was all God. He just used the boy. Wow, I'm much more broken and much more fragile than I realize, even as a king, even, as, even though I'm well-known, even a man after God's own heart. And from there, maybe a little bit as he got older, being a little bit more gracious with people. I want to learn a few things from David and learn a few things about God today from this. So a few things. And again, you might want to write this down. Um, and then also you can use your app. There's notes there and you can save it in your app. So you got some options there or you can just kind of kick back and, and listen. But the lessons that I, I feel like we can pull from this today. The first one is this. The more I realize grace given by God, the more I can give to others. The more I realize grace given by God, the more I give to others. I actually changed the verbiage here. When I first wrote this down, this is how I wrote it down. The more I experience grace given by God, the more I give to others. But you know why that's not true? Because some of us experience God's grace, we never realize it, and we think it's all us. And he's been so gracious to you to keep you healthy. He's been so gracious with you to protect you from your own sins. He's been so gracious by protecting you in seasons when you've been foolish and you've been hardened to his word and you've been hardened to the church. You've been hardened to other Christians or he's called you to something you've ran away. He's been, there's so many things you won't know till we get to heaven. Like a parent, right? Like kid doesn't remember all the times you stayed up and when they were sick and you changed their diet. They don't, they have like no memory, Right? And if you tell them, they're like, I don't care. Well, whatever. You know, it's like, and I think we can be that same way with God. Like kids are a great example of how much God puts up with us. It's a great example because we treat them the same way. We forget how much he's done things for us. And so I changed it to because some of us are experiencing God's grace immensely and we don't give it out to others because we don't realize it. We don't think it's his grace. We think it's all us. It's my intellect. It's my strength. It's my own doing. And as we get older in life, I want to encourage you, if you want to love maturely, it's really less and less and less about you and more about, we should be coming here to worship God every week and be blown away by how gracious he's been each week to us. The amount of forgiveness, the amount of things that he just has put up with that he's like, ah, I'll work on that later. <laughs> I've got 5,000 things to work on. He puts off certain things, how he provides certain things and your prayer from three years ago that you don't remember and he remembers Oh, he's so good. He's so gracious. Now, when I realize that, I'm like, whoa, he is so, he's been so gracious to me. Then I begin to give it out to others, which is a sign. If any of us come here today and we're like, man, I'm not a person of grace in the way I speak to people and how harsh I am in, in the way I view people, I can judge quickly and judge just like immensely rather than just working on, I need to be a nicer person. No, 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 no. You need to receive and recognize more and not, not experience more. So I said, I need to experience God's grace. No, no, no. You've already experienced it. Recognize. Take time to process. Because the more you absorb his grace, then when life squeezes you, the more his grace will come out of your life and your words. So it's not just trying to be a nice person. It's focusing on why do I not recognize and receive God's graciousness in my life? And grace can really come from two forms. Uh, when I lack grace, it can become from insecurity or arrogance. 
And insecurity is I'm scared of my own brokenness. I'm insecure about myself so I can come off harsh to others or lack grace to others because of my own insecurity or arrogance where I'm just unaware of how broken I am. Everyone else sees my brokenness, but I don't. (laughs) Arrogance is usually known because any of us that are arrogant, we have a hard time actually maintaining healthy relationships. And we always blame others about why they're breaking off that friendship and why they're breaking off. And it could even be marriages to kids. When you have a pattern of broken relationships in your life or ones that can't stay stable or strong, stop looking at others. There's something in me, maybe there's there's an arrogance where I'm not recognizing some of my own issues. And this is why it's important to ponder. This is why we worship today. I encourage us as we're going to sing again to really absorb the words and, 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 and not just absorb the words, but that these words remind you of what God has, has done in your life as you think about his grace. May it bring up memories of your childhood, of your teenage years, of your early adulthood, for some of us, of our midlife. <laughs> you can go back, right? But that we can really ponder that because that's then where we can be gracious with others. Uh, the second thing I see from, from David is this, is that being gracious helps us to focus on bigger issues. When I'm gracious, it helps me to not be distracted. Have you noticed that certain people or situations can distract you from the real big things in life? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed maybe social media can distract you? You get fired up about things that, does that really help you with what's most important in life? It can be what I call a distraction. And I'm focused on other people's lives or other issues and not on what God has in front of me. Whether it's maybe some ministry stuff, maybe it's loving people just around me, maybe it's things that God wants to work on me internally. And so we can lose focus and things can be a distraction, and people can be a distraction. Here's the thing that's interesting about this story is Nabal was a distraction. He wasn't, those rocks coming weren't the biggest issue. Why take energy, go kill a dude over my son's trying to kill me? That's the biggest issue right now. This dude throwing pebbles and call me names is not, and, and what happens to some of us is if anyone calls us a name or any stones get thrown at us, all of a sudden we focus on that and we lose focus. Of, you're actually in a different battle. So just, just to remind yourself that sometimes situations or conflict, you got to stop and say, let me just be gracious because I don't want to give a lot of time and attention there. This is a distraction. This is not something I need to focus on. That's something that's great to talk about like in family or with your friends because sometimes we don't know what's a distraction or what's an opportunity or something I need to address. And so when you look to be overly gracious, you, you actually free up more emotional and physical time to focus on the things that are most important. I mean, we see it with driving in Southern California, right? Where do we lack the most graciousness in Southern California? Where? On, on our freeways, on our roads, right? And isn't it interesting that someone can get so wrapped up, cut off a car, get so angry. I know some of you are being convicted right now. I'm not speaking to you specifically, but right? But has, if, if you're that person, haven't you seen that it can ruin your whole day? Think about that. I just couldn't show grace by just saying, hey, no problem, cut me off. Like, don't worry about it. Oh, you cut, yeah, don't worry about it. And then I can move on to other things God has for me that day. And then I'm consumed about someone I don't know, nor do they care about me. And it can ruin my whole day. And I just lost focus on what God's trying to do. I think what David realized is that, hey, let's show grace here because we have bigger issues. We have bigger problems. Being gracious saves energy for the important battles that God wants you to have energy for. We, we see this 
And what does the Bible say is our greatest battle? It's a spiritual battle, right? It's not a political one, which I've been, you guys know, I've been hammering this for a year. As a church, we cannot focus. You can be aware of, but the political, because we have spiritual battles. And if you're wrapped up in these things, then you're not wrapped up in the things of God. And I think some of us kind of saw that. That's why we're here. We're like, yeah, I got, I got swept away, right? Um, remember when Jesus was in the garden and the guards came to, um, to arrest him? You remember what happened? Remember a dude, Peter, was with him, right? And what did Peter do when the guard come up to arrest Jesus? What did he do? Right? No grace. Come and take, sliced off of his ear, which is a really weird strike. Like, he figured out a warrior. Like, yeah, right? Took off the ear. Probably like step back, like I don't know what to do, right? And was Jesus like, yeah, what are you going to do now? Is that what he said to the guard? Yeah, boys, get him. What did Jesus do? He took the ear, healed him. Why? Why was Jesus so loving to a guy that was trying to arrest him and, and possibly a guy that would be one of the ones that would mock him and beat him going to the cross? Remember, it was those guards that mocked him, spit on him, beat him, can you imagine healing someone knowing that in the coming days, they're going to betray you? They're going to stab you in the back. Would you heal the ear? Remember, I know we're outside, but you're at church. So don't nod your head yes unless, don't lie, right? I doubt many of us. I think most of us, would, the most gracious might be is like, oh, like we wouldn't do any more, but we wouldn't pick the ear up. We're like, pick your own ear up, dude. <laughs> you know, you're, you're resting me. I'm not picking up your ear. Now, why? Why was Jesus so gracious? Because of this. The greatest battle was that guard's heart and soul in that he saw the Savior of the universe go to the cross, die on the cross, and there was no sin against him. He was a perfect man. That was more important than the dude's ear. And what Peter needed to realize is we don't fight like the world does with knives. It's a spiritual battle. And these people that, you, that you're so angry with that are taking uh, your Messiah, it needs to happen. It's actually from God. Remember, what did um, David say? Perhaps this is from God. So what we view as an enemy can actually be used by God. So be careful even how you speak against your enemies. Be gracious. You don't always know what God's doing. When I lack grace, I tend to fight every battle, engage in every argument, and not just my own, but I'm looking to help even others. And I think then the world looks at saying, why go to church? They're just like us when things don't go their way. Now, it's hard to be gracious because you feel like you're losing. How many of us have been gracious? And we're like, I feel like I'm losing right now. I've seen that as far as like with divorces. We got one person that's a Christian. They're just like trying to be gracious. And they're like, I feel like I'm losing because that person's loud, arrogant, getting what they, right? And it's like, but how many of us have been through like divorce or we've been through um you know, uh, something at work where there's a fire and something like that. And you see in the long run, being gracious really pays off. It really pays off. And it really honors God. I want to encourage you with this as we begin to wrap up, though, is grace will usually be misunderstood and not appreciated, though. It will be misunderstood and not appreciated. Notice the reaction from David's men, right? as far as they wanted to go and cut off his head and David didn't want to. Even in Christian circles sometimes, being quiet or being gracious or being kind to someone, people might tell us, no, you're justified to do this or justified to do that. 
and I want to encourage us that it'll often be misunderstood to be seen as weak. Um, it'll be seen as not effective. You need to teach them a lesson. Have you guys noticed that God teaches better lessons than we do many of the times? I don't know if you've noticed that. In fact, the longer you walk with God, the more you, t- you talk less and let God talk to people, right? David wouldn't understand as a young man. Well, he, he, he figured it out. He didn't kill Nabal. But did God take care of him? Yeah, God took care of him. What's interesting even in this situation is that um, David would see that, you know what? Let God take care of people. I don't always have to take care of them, teach them, show them where they're wrong, teach them a lesson, all those kinds of things. It's not always our role. I'm not saying we never do it, but being gracious is just kind of humble and slow to do those kinds of things. You would see this if you want to read the next chapter. It's a really interesting story. In 2 Samuel uh, 17, David was even so gracious that his son was trying to kill him. And he says, listen, when you capture him, don't kill him. Unfortunately, his guards didn't listen to him. And they did kill his son. And he grieved that. But he's even looking to be gracious to someone that was trying to kill him. But it was misunderstood. And his guards kind of called him out for him and just didn't agree. And so it's not always the most popular thing to do. But it does not mean you're weak. Being gracious means you're self-controlled and respectful. It does not mean that you're weak. This is something that's so important to God when you look at how he desires for us to be. Proverbs 15, 26 says this, The Lord detests the thought of the wicked. Notice he didn't say the actions of the wicked. <laughs> Someone's like, dang it. It's just a thought when you want to get that revenge. It's just a thought, oh, next time I'll say this to them. It's just a thought that can begin to. He says, he detests the thoughts of the wicked, but gracious words are pure in his sight. We put a smile on God's face when we're gracious, even when someone doesn't deserve it. Proverbs 16, 21 says, the wise in heart are called discerning and gracious words promote instruction. If you really want to influence someone, parents, if you want to influence your kids, don't yell at them about not yelling. Don't scream at them about not having a tantrum. One of the key things with parenting is be gracious. You can still be, you don't have to yell. Hey, buddy, come here. Yeah, I saw, I saw what you did there. Yeah, yeah. That was, that, was well, that, was, that was well done. Yeah, you almost got away. I mean, that was well done. But here's the problem is you can't keep doing that. So we got two options. Hey, look at me. We got two options. You can even whisper. It can be gracious while still saying, you're in so much trouble. <laughs> Sometimes parenting, we focus on what we do. Sometimes we need to think through not what we're doing, but how we're doing it. Wisdom is not just good information. It's gracious. And that's when people, it promotes instruction. People want to listen to people that are gracious. Proverbs 16, 24 says, gracious words are a honeycomb. Sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Colossians 4, 5, and 6 instructs us with this. Paul writes, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Notice he's telling the church, be wise with how the world perceives you. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace. When we're dealing with people that don't have the Holy Spirit in them, they haven't heard the gospel, they haven't received Jesus as their Savior, they're going to act different. So be gracious. The Holy Spirit isn't working yet. Sometimes we want people 
who aren't Christians to already act like Christians before they become Christians. What? How do we draw them to that? Be gracious, be people of grace, of humility. That's how we draw them in. So Romans 8, 31 through 32 says this, and it reminds us of, of God's heart. It says, what then shall we say in response for these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Did he not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all? How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? I want you to understand this. Some of us, we struggle with God being a gracious God. We feel like that he wants to keep things from us. Today, the first way for us to be a church that is gracious is we have to understand this. We have to ponder and understand that if he gave us the son of God, he wants to give us so much more. He wants us to, to great, just, just experience so much that we don't deserve. We follow a God who is good, who is for us. But some of us have a hard time receiving that. We feel bad about our past. We feel like we let God down. We feel like, and, all, and what God wants to say is, listen, it's all forgiven. I am for you. Can you receive my grace? But here's the thing too. Can you receive it and then give it out to others? Because as we give out to others, God pours more into us. As you give out grace, God will show you more grace. Then it makes it exciting. The more I'm gracious with people on the roads, the more I'm gracious in my marriage, the more I'm gracious with a kid, God's like, I'm going to keep pouring out grace. But what happens when you hold on to that grace? He doesn't pour any more in. Because he's given it to you to let that out. And that's what we're going to do today. My prayer for you this week as God's been working on my heart is that this week you'd have opportunities to be very gracious with the people in your tone, in your words, in your actions. Maybe not climbing certain hills, the battle, but letting God take care of that battle. Not worrying about revenge, letting God, hey, God will take care of you. did in the Old Testament. Whew, he'll take care of it. Letting him teach others rather than you teach others and letting him just teach you. But it's going to start today with us pondering God's grace. Being people that can receive it and sing about it and say, and that's why we're going to take communion. At any point you take communion by yourself, maybe you want alone time, or maybe you want to take it with family and friends and maybe pray together and just kind of, but we take communion to remember how gracious Jesus is that he loved us before we even took a step to him. And that gives us now the ability to go love others before they take a step towards us. That's his desire for us. So the worship team is going to come up. Again, you got communion over there. Let's just kind of let God speak to you through worship and you speak to him. And be people that this week we can just emanate. God's graciousness in our families and with our friends that we see victory not by defeating someone but by being gracious to them. That's our joy. Realizing as we give it out, God just continues to pour it in. So Jesus, I'm excited for us because this is hard. I think some of us right now are like, uh, we're already thinking of people we gotta be gracious with. We're already thinking of people we need to apologize to because of the way we've been acting maybe even this morning. <laughs> But God, the win is being gracious. The win is showing you to others that it's actually grace and kindness that changes them rather than us trying to out-argue them or humiliate them. So God, today as a, as a church, I just pray that we receive your grace. How kind you are to us, how loving you are, how you bless us even through our rebellion 
how you heal us. God, how you answer our prayers over years and years and years. God, how gracious you are to protect us from our own stupidity (laughs) as we think about our lives. We could have ruined so many more people. God, how, how gracious you are in the way you speak to us and how kind you are and how encouraging you are. And God, I pray that that would just now come off our lips and come off our life as we receive that from you, Jesus. So we receive your grace. We ponder your grace. Praise in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com. 